Lord, we bless your name. We serve a good God. Amen. Blessing God is strength and power. Yours alone now and forever. Love this world could never stop. There is no one like I got. Reaching down to touch the broken. The mercy breaking through this moment. And faithful is the one who saves. Worthy is your name. Oh God, the glory is yours. The kingdom is over and the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise and the glory is yours. Glory is yours. Glory belongs to our God. Amen. Lots of angels are watching the wonder. And welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad that you are here worshiping with us this evening. I'd like to take a moment and mention to you this. If you are on Facebook and you have your phone with you, I encourage you to take your phone out, even now, and check in to show that you are here worshiping with us at Church on the Rock. This is a way for us to stay connected and encourage those that are not here to come and join us and worship this evening. I'd like to invite you all back in to worship with us. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. 
Give him some praise. He's worthy. Amen. We bless your name, Jesus. You're worthy.
circumstances and we can know Lord that you are with us that you're there right beside us and that Lord you strengthen us and you give us the victory and we say thank you for it thank you Lord this morning we read in Exodus 14 in verse 13 it says don't be afraid just stand still and watch the Lord rest will rescue you today the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again 
The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And this was the word of the Lord to you today. Whatever you're going through, whatever impossible circumstance you're facing, know that God is right there with you. Stand and see him take care of you, provide for you, help you through it. And we just have to watch the Lord rescue us. And I felt like there was great attack against many people here today. But we don't have to be afraid because if God is for us, who can be against us? God says, stand and see him do this. We're going to call our prayer team down at the front. And whatever it is you're facing, whatever giant you're facing, the Red Sea, the fire, whatever is going on in your life, today we want to pray with you and we want to see victory in your life knowing that God is right there beside you. So I invite you as we continue to worship, come down and receive prayer.
with me sing it you are good Somebody lift their voice. If God's been good to you in this place tonight, if there's a point in your mind when you sing that, God, you are good, it takes you back to you remember when God did this for you. Let's declare it again and with our whole heart to the Lord that you are good, good. some praise in this place tonight. You are Lord. No one like you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Lord, we 
We bless your name, O oh Lord. Oh, you alone are worthy of all our praise. We bless your name. We bless it assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a voice. If you're thankful for it, give him some praise in this place tonight. Lord, we bless your name. You're worthy, Jesus. 
Why don't you turn and greet two or three people? Tell them you're happy to see them in God's house. And oh, I'd say Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. Waterwell's mission trip is scheduled for April 3rd through the 8th. Check your bulletin for more information. SUM Bible College will be selling homemade tamales after every service this weekend. All proceeds will fund their Mardi Gras outreach trip on February 23rd. Stop by and support their cause. Spring enrollment is now open. I made you beautiful, but you don't see it. I gave you joy, but grief and heartache rob you. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to I gave you strength, but fear consumes you. I gave you peace. But worry and anxiety overcomes you. I gave you power, but you never use it. I gave you love, but you call yourself unworthy. Changes everything. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. 
Amen. Can we give God some praise tonight? Are you glad to be here? We are so glad you're here. We say it every week, but there's no better place than to be in the presence of the Lord, worshiping God together. Hey, if you never get our texts or our emails right in the seat back in front of you, there's a little red card. If you would fill this out, drop it in the offering plate when it comes by, we'll be able to contact you. You can uh, cancel at any time, but we want to be able to stay in contact. There's a lot of things going on, and we don't want you to miss out. Amen? Hey, ladies, I am so excited about our upcoming women's conference. We are going to Tyler, Texas, and there's still a few spots left. If you want to sign up, we would love to have you. And I just want to mention, those of you men out there, are women that can't go because you can't get off work, if you want to help sponsor a woman, there's a few women in our church that want to go and need a little help. And so I just want to encourage you, get signed up today. We are going to have a, a life-changing experience and lots of fun. I also want to say something else I'm excited about. I watched them make those homemade tamales yesterday, and they look really yummy. They smell good. They look good. Some homemade salsa. So go support some after service today and pick you up some food to go home with. Amen. And they're hot tamales, so you can get them and you can eat them tonight, and you can bless our SUM Bible College, their mission trip coming up. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, looking at verse 19, 20, and 21. Very familiar passage. This is Jesus talking. And by the way, how many people have been following in our daily Bible reading God? Amen. If you hadn't started, you can start tonight. So uh, let's look what the Word of God says. It says, do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Last verse, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, that's an amazing scripture, amen? How many people know every single day, really, we get the opportunity to store up treasure? We really do. We get the opportunity to store up treasure in heaven. Every time we worship God, every time we praise God, we are storing up treasure in heaven. Every time we're obedient to what God tells us to do, we're storing up treasure in heaven. Every time you help somebody and you bless somebody, you are storing up treasure in heaven. Every time that we give our tithes and offerings, we are storing up treasure in heaven. Listen, uh, in our world today, having treasure is somewhat important. How many people know it's good to have a job? It's good to have savings. It's good to have a retirement plan. And if those things are important here on earth, how much more so is storing up treasure in heaven? That's what Jesus is saying. It's important to store up treasure in heaven. Listen, I want to encourage all of us. Let's make sure that we're putting our priorities in order with everything that we do, that we're living a life to bless God, we're living a life to bless people. Look, we're so privileged to be part of a church that blesses this community and blesses places all over the world. Just this week, we spent or sent $9,000 that you gave, and we built a church in Mexico, or they're building it in the process. The check was sent this week, because when we give, God turns it into ministry. Look, let's spend our treasure on godly things. Amen? Listen, as the ushers are coming, God bless you as you give every single week. Let's do something amazing for the kingdom this week.
promised in the Bible that if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. We just want to pause a moment, Lord, in the quiet of this moment and say we love you. And we just pray that you would draw near to us. As you do, Lord, lift our, our burdens. Help us get back on the right track. Give us strength where we're weak. Give us courage where we have fear. We welcome you tonight. Come, Lord, tonight. Lord, we love you tonight. And I just pray that for all of us in our hearts, we have a greater desire for God. Don't let, ever let church or Bible reading become an obligation or a tradition. But let it be a pathway to loving you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Anybody say it? Amen. Hey, tell your neighbor, you are glad they're here tonight. And you may be seated. Tell your other neighbor, you're looking good this evening. Way better than the last time I saw you. <laughs> hey, I'm really glad you're here. Turn your Bibles this morning, 2 Corinthians, or this evening, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to continue in a series we started last week called Unmasked. Remember, it was a series where we were endeavoring to expose Satan's tactics against believers. We called the first message last week, Takeover. And remember, it was about Judas, how Judas, uh, Satan was able to influence Judas to betray Christ. Remember, the door that Judas opened was the love of money. We also talked about how, how sexual immorality can open doors where Satan can pull us to do things that uh, we'd never do otherwise. Well... I want to make a statement that many would disagree with, but I want to see what you think. And it's simply this, Satan is real. Satan is real, and he's trying to outsmart us. Now, in America today, secular America only believes in what the microscope can show us and only believe what the telescope can reveal and what the, you know, what the algorithms can produce. 
They don't believe that there's anything supernatural. They don't believe there's a God. They don't believe there's a devil. But the Bible is very, very clear. And uh, the Bible is very clear that not only is God real, but Satan is real as well. That he's not just the subject of mythology. He's not just the, the explanation for the simple-minded for why bad things happen. And we're exploring him in this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 underscores this. Paul is talking about conflict with other believers. And Paul said, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever, and I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven. Now look at verse 11. It was so that Satan will not outsmart us. In other words, unforgiveness can be a tool that Satan can use to somehow get a hook in us to break relationship. And then it says this, for we are familiar with his... Isn't that interesting? We're familiar with his evil schemes. And I believe there's two extremes as we talk about Satan. One is that Satan doesn't exist and, and hey, there's no such thing. How me know he's really got you fooled. And the other is to look behind every rock or every problem and, you know, blame the devil and, and that, whole, that whole arena there. But somewhere in the middle, I want to encourage you to open your eyes to see that Satan is out there. Uh, this evening I've entitled the message, The Adversary. I want to talk about three things tonight. I want to talk about what the Bible teaches about his origins, where he came from. Secondly, I want to talk about something very practical. I want to talk about spiritual attacks how you and I can be under a spiritual attack. Nations can be under spiritual attacks. People groups can be under spiritual attack. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about very... I'm going to speculate a little bit about how Satan works in our culture. That hopefully you and I would learn to discern what goes on around us in the world, what we read in the newspaper, what we hear on the news, and ask ourselves the question, is some way in this situation where Satan might be at work so that I can pray from a position of authority, come on now and advance God's kingdom. So let's explore it tonight, the adversary. Let's start out first with just some basic Bible facts about who Satan is and where did he and demons come from. Now, Satan, by definition, his name means adversary in Hebrew. In Latin, he's called Lucifer, which means light bringer. Remember last week we talked about Satan as an angel of light, that he's not walking around as this dude, you know, that's dressed in red with horns and pitchforks. Although it's interesting today how you can see uh, 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 some of our Hollywood performers, they get into Satanism, they get into the occult, and some of their costumes have horns on them. I mean, they're aware that there's a demonic, there's a real demonic world that we live in today. Um, but Satan is called Lucifer, light bringer. In Greek, he's called Diabolos or the devil, which means false accuser, or the accuser of the brethren. Other words that describe him in the Bible, he's described as the dragon, the evil one. The tempter. How many know these words? And the next time I explore this with you, that's probably what we're going to talk about, how Satan uses temptation, how he deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden, how he wants to do the same thing with us. But he's also called the God of this world, God with a little g. It's as if when Adam and Eve gave Satan the keys to authority on this earth, Satan is called the God with a little g. He's called destroyer. He's called the father of lies. The ancient serpent, hearkening back to Genesis. He's called a devourer, the book of Malachi. And this one really intrigues me. He's called the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. 
Isn't that interesting? When you look at people and you could say, how in the world could somebody do something like that? How could they be so hurtful? How they, could they advocate such a position of hatred and violence? It's the Spirit that's working in them. And if you're not saved, you're not even aware of, of what's going on. So, uh, second thing I want to tell you about him in background is he stands in opposition to God. Anything God is trying to do on the earth, anything God's trying to do through a church, through an individual, through a family, Satan is there to oppose it. You say, well, how do you know that? First Thessalonians 2, this, Paul, uh, Paul said this. Paul said, we wanted to come to you, the church in Thessalonica. He said, I tried to come many times, but what's it say? Now, how did he do that? Did he cancel the flight? I don't know how he did it. But he could have used a financial, maybe Paul would have to, you know, uh, in his journey, uh, maybe there was persecution and he had to flee from the persecution. Maybe he, maybe he didn't have money to get the ticket to, to go, whatever it was. But Satan is involved in practical ways. And if our worldview is void of Satan working behind the scenes, if we don't have discernment, if we don't have time to pray, we're not even aware that he's hindering. Now, Satan was created he was created by God. He was an angelic being. He was one of the inner court. If you were to look in Isaiah and Ezekiel, uh, uh, it, it, the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre are personified as actually Satan, about his fall from heaven, about cre- how he was created. He was a, a worshiper in heaven, but he's a fallen angel. Jesus said this in Luke 10. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Satan was at one time in the inner court of God. He was in the presence of God, but he was cast out of heaven, and it was likely because of pride. Ezekiel tells us his declaration that I will be like the Most High. Uh, Revelation tells us it harkens back to this time, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Think about this now. Michael the archangel, good angels, fighting against Satan and his angels. But he was defeated, that ancient serpent, who's called the devil and Satan. Notice all these descriptive terms. Ancient serpent, dragon, the devil, Satan, deceiver of the whole world. What's it say? He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So when we talk about demons being present, this is where these demons came from. There was a war that erupted in heaven. These angels literally left God and they came down to earth. Well, how many know they're doing something today? In Jesus' day, Jesus was, uh, and it seemed like the people of Jesus' day were much more acclimated to an understanding of demonic presence in a person's life. Much of Jesus' ministry on this earth was helping people get delivered from what Satan was doing in their lives. I mean, one of the things that Scripture says in Mark 16 is signs that will follow believers in my name will do what? Will cast out demons, will cast out demonic influence. So in one of the latter messages, we'll talk about our place of authority as believers We'll talk about the confidence that we can have in Christ. I mean, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. As we try to understand him, we don't have to be afraid of him. But how many know, the more I learn about him, the more I know of his ways, the more I'm able to understand how to, how to respond and how to react. Now, for these fallen angels are further described in the book of Ephesians. Hopefully one of our messages, we're going to walk through this, this, uh, these num- verses in Ephesians about our, our warfare and our spiritual armor and what it means. But listen to a verse. Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
And what he's saying is, when people are doing stupid things, there's a demonic presence behind that person. When you see a person going a killing rampage, when you see a person acting in violence, many of the crimes and, and what the Bible would call as sins, there's a demonic push, and there's something behind the person. Now listen to what it says. We're wrestling against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These are all depictions or descriptions of, of the demonic activity. It seems to imply an order or, 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 or just like a military would have a hierarchy. It seems to imply that there is, a, there is an order there in these, these, uh, in these demonic ranks. But the first appearance of Satan obviously is in the Garden of Eden. We see him come, as we'll look in the coming weeks, we'll see him come to tempt Adam and Eve. That's where all the mess we're in started from. But the last time his appearance is in the book of Revelation, Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. This is hell, thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. And there he and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Jesus said hell was not prepared for people, though people would go there. Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And what intrigues me, this one who's caused so much problem and pain in the world. Can you imagine the devil coming to Adam and Eve and telling them how much better life would be? And it, it doesn't matter if it was they ate an apple or a tomato or whatever it was, but it was something that God had put, in, put a fence around and said, don't cross the fence. And he promised them that if they would, they'd find something good. But as soon as they did, they're driven from the presence of the Lord. Shame comes in their life. And the next chapter opens up, one of their children kill each other. So we see when Satan offers something good, it actually turns into something that's terrible. But yet as we look in the book of Revelation, all this evil he called. How many, how many could agree, and we could even agree that things like uh, behind the Jewish Holocaust, behind Hitler, there's a demonic presence, there's a demonic push. You look at dictators today. I believe my number is correct, but in the last two, I think it's 50 years, but don't quote me, uh, uh, communist dictators have killed over 200 million people around the world. Uh, there, last year, there were 90,000 believers martyred for Christ. Most of that for, uh, came from Islamic extremism. There's a demonic presence and push in America, in the world, but in one verse in the Bible, Satan is thrown into hell and it's over forever and ever. So that's just kind of a quick genesis to Revelation about who he is, who his followers are, and what they do. And this next part, I want to get practical with you about something that many of us experience somewhat frequently, and that's spiritual attack. How many know spiritual attack is real? Not every problem in your life is caused by the devil, but some of them are. And how many know we respond differently to our problems based on what we discern the source to be? Now, let's go in what's probably the most graphic attack in the Bible, and it's in the life of Job. Job chapter 1, at this practical point, Satan is our adversary, and he will attack us. He will come at us. He, he, he may not afflict us physically, but he'll try to tempt us and pull us off track. He came to Jesus, and how many know he came to Jesus in the 40-day temptation, and he left until an opportune time. 
So he's, he's there. He's trying to trip us up. He's trying to hinder us. He's trying to destroy our marriage, destroy our family, take our health. How many know the scripture tells us that we are to resist him? See, we are to stand strong against him. But let's look in the book of Job. Job chapter 1, it's an insight into what goes on in this unseen world and how it translates into the world in which we see. Now, I used this illustration last week, but if we could imagine that between the reality that we see, if there's like this zipper and you unzip it and, and it's like the other side of the curtain, you see what's going on spiritually. And that's not a literal zipper, but there's something that goes on that we can't see. Now, the book of Job, uh, uh, let's see here, here we go, Job chapter 1, verse 6. One day, the members of the heavenly court came before the Lord. Now, these are likely angelic beings. They're in the presence of God, and one of them is the accuser. Satan came with them. It's an interesting picture in heaven. Satan came with other angelic forces, and Satan answered, verse 7, I have been uh, patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. That's either true or it's false. Either Satan and his demonic influences have the ability to know what's going on in our lives. I don't know that he can know what, what we're thinking about, but certainly our actions and what we do and what's happening, whether it's votes that are taking place in Congress or whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's somebody selling drugs on the streets of Texarkana or whether it's someone plotting a murder on our city streets, whatever it is. But Satan has been watching everything going on. And verse 8, the Lord asks Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He fears God and he stays away from evil. He's blameless. And then, of course, Satan replies to the Lord, yeah, well, if you reach out and take everything he has, he'll curse you to your face. Well, all right, God said, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan, and then one day, everything changed. Now, how many know, the book of Job, it's a, it's a number of chapters, it's very lengthy, it's primarily a discourse between a number of people called Job's friends. It's this beginning little background. Job is talking to God throughout the whole book. But scholars believe the book of Job occurred over probably two or three years. It was a long time in his life. But in the first part of the book, God had built a hedge around this man. God had blessed him because he was a righteous, blameless man. Satan came and took it from him. But after he went through the test, after he survived the attack, he was blessed twice as much on the other side. And I'm not talking about just material things, but what I'm saying, though, is Satan's attacks are not intended to be permanent. They're not intended to take you out. They may knock you down, but how many know the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but does what? He rises up again. Let's see what happened. Now, Satan gets permission. He got permission that he could attack Job. So verse 14, one day a messenger comes to Job's home with this news. And listen to this now. Your oxen were plowing, and I've condensed this. Your oxen were plowing, and the Sabians raided us. Here's the first thing. They stole all the animals, and they killed all the farmhands. Another messenger comes, and he said, the fire of God has fallen from heaven. 
This could either be an intense lightning storm or it could be something that paralleled what happened on, uh, on, uh, uh, when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed or, or, or it could be the fire like there was the cloud. You remember the cloud in Moses and the wilderness and, and, and there was fire by night. We don't know what it was, but somehow fire of God fell from heaven, burned up your sheep and your shepherds. And then verse 18 says, another messenger said, your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home and suddenly... A powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and it hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. Now, here's a man that's walked with God, a man that God himself says is blameless. But Satan was able to come in and wreak havoc in his life. Even the the disciples' lives. Many believe that the cross has negated what, 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 what Satan could do to us today. Even in the disciples' lives, Jesus said, Satan's coming to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith has not failed. Persecution followed the early church. But in this particular case, in, in what seemed like a moment of time, Satan killed Job's kids. He destroyed his business, and he caused destructive weather. He incited people to steal. And who was behind this? Satan was behind this. Insurance people have found a way to get out of claims, and they call it an act of God. But this is not an act of God. This was an act of the evil one. How many know Satan, not only can he kill and destroy and and send destructive weather and cause people to steal, how many know Satan can make people sick? I don't know if I believe that. Luke 13, verse 11. A woman for 18 years had an evil spirit that made her crippled. Now, how did it do that? I have no idea. But the scripture says an evil spirit made this woman crippled, and then Jesus healed the woman, and he said, The woman I healed has been held by Satan for 18 years. Now, let's just open ourselves to the... uh, I I cannot tell you if every sickness is deliberately caused by Satan. It's not one of the blessings God pulls out of his bags, but sickness can be a tool to be disciplined to get back on track. But I would say in most cases, listen, it's a result of our fallen nature. It can be traced back to sin in the Garden of Eden. But in this particular woman's case, Satan's clearly behind it. See, when you're under a spiritual attack, whether it's sickness, whether you're like Job, the Bible talks about how Satan can devour our possessions, how he can destroy our relationships. But how many know when we're under spiritual attack, we can and should do two things. We should pray and we should persevere. Let me say it again. When you and I are under spiritual attack, you don't just have to wait until it's over. How many know if you're, if you're at home in the springtime and your little Noah, Noah weather, uh, weather radio comes on in the middle of the night or, or maybe your, your, you know, your phone, you've got the emergency alerts, they come on. Well, how many know you can look at that thing on your phone, you can watch the clouds as they're moving in, but you're just waiting for it to pass. You are in some respects passive to wait until the clouds come by. I don't know, as a side note here, I don't know if you, you watched the, were outside last night, but I got my wife to go outside with me, and I, and I was outside, and the moon was this huge, brilliant moon in the sky, and clouds were just racing in front of it. I mean, it was just an incredible thing to watch. But in a storm, you're waiting. How many know as a Christian, we may be in a storm, but we're not just helplessly waiting? 
for the entire time of Job's, of Job's uh, 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 affliction, this test, Job was communing with God, Job was having conversation with God, and Job was persevering. Job did not allow himself just to be knocked down and stayed down. And this is where many Christians uh, 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 find themselves when spiritual attack comes, it knocks them down, come on, and they don't get back up. I want to suggest to you that the most important time to pray is not just when you need or want something, but when Satan, come on, is banging against your life and banging against your door and trying to steal and rob from you. How many of something needs to rise within us and stand in the name of Christ? Uh, perseverance means literally not quitting. Ephesians 6, again, just an insight into that passage when it talks about the arm, uh, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Notice the word resist. And then it says after the battle, you'll still be what? Standing firm, which means you'll be persevering. So when an attack comes in your life, whether it's against your physical body, if it's against someone you love, when my wife's body was attacked by cancer, when I was just emotionally and mentally attacked several years ago, I mean, no, we have to stand and keep on standing. And if all we know how to do is stand, I mean, no, that's where the victory will come because Satan will pass your life just like he did Job. One day the attack will be over. One day the storm will pass you. It will not stay there forever. Come on, but you've got to persevere. We've got to pray, and we've got to realize that there is an evil adversary out against us. The, he, he closed in verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. And I suggest to you, friends, that we are not helpless victims, but our prayers have power to be able to push back against evil. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand. Now, I'm going to look in this third part of the message. Again, the first was kind of a factual who he is. That second part was a practical about how I relate to these attacks. But I want to speculate in this, in this third point. I want to try to get you to perhaps think and see as we look into culture, as we listen to the news, as we hear what's going on in our nation particularly, uh, where Satan may be working. Because I fear sometimes that we're not aware that there's a spiritual battle that we can't see, but we just take the facts, come on, as the newsman reports them. And here's, here's the basic, this is the example I'm going to give you. I believe that there's a lying, murderous spirit in America that needs to be unmasked. Let me say it again. There is a spirit, a lying, murderous spirit in America. You say, well, okay, give me a basis for that. I will. John 8, 44, here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you're of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Now listen to what, what Satan was desiring, what he was doing. He was a murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he's a what? A liar, and he's the father of lies. Satan is a liar. He's a father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. And Jesus told this group of Pharisees, you want to do what your father's doing. You Pharisees, you're going to kill me. You Pharisees, you love money more than God. You Pharisees, you are lying. So here's my question for you today. Is Satan at work in America today? 
Are there demons that are working in America, lying and murdering? And if they are, where is it happening? Yeah, we do see it everywhere. I want to give you one little insight, and I want to show you just a little quick video, about 40 seconds. It's, called, it's a documentary called Blood Money. It's an interview by a woman named Carol Everett. She was a former operator of a Planned Parenthood clinic. And I want you to listen to what she said, and I think it'll make you angry. Just listen to what this lady said. We had a whole plan that sold abortions, and it was called sex education. Break down their natural modesty, separate them from their parents and their values, and become the sex expert in their life so they turn to us. When we would give them a low-dose birth control pill they would get pregnant on, or a defective condom. Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. Now, she used to be a clinic operator. Our, what we did, she said, in case you missed this, she said we gave low-dose pills, the pill, that we knew that unless these teenage girls didn't take them at the precise time, then they would get pregnant. We bought the cheapest condoms we could buy so they would get pregnant because we wanted every teenage girl in America to come in and give us three abortions in her short teenage years. Does that make you angry? How it has been sanitized in America today. She said, we want to pull them away from their mom and dad. We want to violate their values. And we want to do this by taking the life of an innocent child and leave these girls with shame and regret all the while making money. Now, why did I show that? We're talking about discerning our culture and trying to understand spiritually what's going on behind the scenes. And I want to suggest to you, does that not sound like the father of lies is behind that? Does that not sound like a murderer is what Jesus said? An angel of light is at work in our culture? Remember what Jesus said when he contrasted himself to his counterpart, the Satan? Jesus said, I've came that you come that you might have life and enjoy it to the fullest. But the thief comes to Steal, kill, and destroy. Now let me, let me take this further because I don't believe this is just a preacher's opinion. Killing babies is not new. Exodus chapter 1 verse 15. God was about to move in the nation of, of Israel while they were in Egypt. Pharaoh gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, if the baby is a boy, Kill the boy. Could it be a satanic attempt to kill Moses, the deliverer? Is it possible that Satan had some sense of what was going on, even though it would be two, even though it would be several decades ahead? Could it be possible that he was trying to kill the deliverer? How about the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2? Herod was furious when he heard that this King Jesus had been born. He realized the wise men had outwitted him, so he sent soldiers to. Kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. I wonder, could this have been a satanic attempt to kill baby Jesus? 
Is it possible that this murderous spirit behind America wants to kill the very evangelist, come on, that could follow the shoes of Billy Graham? Is it possible that this spirit wants to take the lives of young men and women that would grow up to be scientists that could perhaps find the cure for cancer, the cure for AIDS? Come on. Could it be that the very future of our nation was being wiped out and the father of lies was behind it? Ask the question, I know you'll agree with me, if you think there's perhaps an evil spirit at work behind the abortion industry in America. Well, listen, I do, and we're unmasking him. Today, there was across America 200 protests at Planned Parenthood clinics giving a push to try to encourage our president and Congress to stop federal fundings for Planned Parenthood in America. Now listen, as I say these things, do not feel condemned. Do not let Satan further harass your life and further bring shame in your life. But do what I do. Come on now, get mad at him and do everything you can to protect children and to protect young mothers that are in this vulnerable position. See, why not be like the mother, uh, uh, mad mothers against drunk driving? God have mercy, but when her child was killed by a drunk driver, she was knocked down to the ground, but something came on that woman, and she said, I'm going to do something to fight against that in our culture today. And she started Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and God only knows the multitude of people that have been saved, come on, from, out, from people driving behind the, behind the wheel. Listen, we are in a world today where evil is at work, and we have sanitized it. We have made it sound in words that, that we just that make it palatable and easy to understand. But I suggest to you, friend, the father of lies is behind this movement. He is a murderer and a lying and a liar. Now, if I could take this one step further, if I was an African American, I would be incensed over abortion. I'll tell you why. There's a magazine article someone gave me recently, the American Family Association. It was about Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, the first one. And listen to this story. She enlisted a Dr. Clarence Gamble to promote contraceptives to solve the racial problems through the 1939 Negro Project. What does that mean? That means that African-American families were having more children than white Americans, and it was a growing problem in America. So through the science of eugenics, which is controlling a race, she said they need birth control first. Now listen to this. She feared blacks would view it as an extermination plot. And here's how she got around that. She said, the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea. In other words, what we're going to do is we're going to somehow convince the pastors in the black community to not only encourage them to uh, do family planning and birth control, but to have abortions. We're going to do it in the name of, uh, what was the term that's used? We're going to do it in the name of racial betterment. It crept into the heart of the African-American community by posing as a friend. I wonder if this sounds like the angel of light. Here's why I say it. Today, abortion is the leading cause of death in the black community. And two out of three Planned Parenthood facilities are in black communities. There is misbelief in the black community that Planned Parenthood is their friend. It is a lie. And I wonder who is behind the lie. I'll tell you, my friends, you know who's behind the lie. There is a lying, murderous spirit at work in America today. And I share this to you as speculation with biblical roots. 
but to try to help open our eyes to see what we're dealing with. So can we deal with this thing? The way to expose lies and deception is with truth. However Margaret Sanger got to these supposed Christian leaders that should have pulled out their Bibles, come on, and said these babies are created in the image of God. And the Bible says thou shalt not murder, you shall not take an innocent human life. But at the forefront of many of the liberal issues in America today and the liberal policies are black ministers. And I'm not saying all of them, don't get me wrong now, but what I'm saying, something wiggled in our culture and our society, and it's being propped along and carried along by money today, and it was fostered by a lie from the father of lies. The way to expose lies and deception is with truth. Jesus said this in John 17, your word is truth. God's word, the Bible, exposes Satan's lies. Jesus said in John 8, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I'm telling you, friends, as we look in culture today, I don't care if it's issues about what constitutes a family, uh, individual rights, just go ahead. What our president is doing about immigration, all these things, my friend, the Bible has something to say. And rather just being influenced by somebody on Facebook, come on now, that has a lot of likes, why not we read our Bibles every day? Why not we be taught the Bible? Why not we know what God says about what's going on in our society and we battle the lies with the truth of God's Word? Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet and and, and we want to close with a prayer this evening. But I want to close with this scripture. This was given to the, to the church at Rome. And I want you to look at this. I want you to say it out loud with me. Let's say it together. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, I'll suggest to you, as we keep that verse up there, please. I'll suggest to you when he said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It is the ability of God to be with us when we're facing something that Satan's doing. I'm telling you, friends, you're not facing it alone. And I'm telling you, it will not last forever. I'm telling you, friends, whether you're under a spiritual attack, if you will simply pray and persevere, if you will simply take the arm of another Christian and say, help walk me through this thing, I cannot make it on my own telling you friend you can make it with God's help and the friend come on to praying believers with you and as we face the world that we're in today I'm telling you friend Satan's lying to people he's lying everywhere in the media is like a bullhorn and a foghorn but can I tell you friends we know the one who is smarter than all that we know the one that embodies truth the Lord Jesus Christ we know his word and we know how to sort through truth and error Let's go to, go to prayer as we close this evening. Why don't you just slip your hands to heaven and say, Lord, would you just fill me with the Holy Spirit afresh? I mean, there's spiritual, there, there's spiritual attacks going on in the world today. I may be in one. But, Lord, I need discernment to be able to know the difference between right and wrong. I, I don't want to be spooky and weird about what we're talking about tonight. But I also don't want to be deceived. I want to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. I I want to be able to look at a situation and know what the Bible says and and being being able to know the right and the wrong way. God, I want to have the tenacity to pray and not give up. Come on, pray that right now. I want to have the tenacity to be like Job. 
I cannot imagine what happened to that brother. But he was knocked to the ground, stepped on, spit on, and left for dead and covered up with dirt. But somehow God lifted him out of that miry pit. God, let your Holy Spirit give us that kind of grace. Lord, let us constantly nurture our faith. Let us keep faith alive in life's darkest moments. Let us not walk in fear about what we face in this world. But let us have a confidence knowing that God is with us. And soon, he's going to crush Satan under me. Soon, whether it's disease, whether it's poverty and his devouring, or, or whether it's the assaults that Job experienced, God is a delivering God. And God will deliver me. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Come on, just pray just a moment for yourself. Lord, I don't want him to destroy me. I don't want to give place to the devil. Welcome, Lord Jesus. Hey, let's close with a, a personal prayer before we go tonight. It sure been good to have you, have you with us this evening. I, I want to make an opportunity for prayer. Whether you missed it before or you need to get it again, I always find that whenever we've opened the Bible together, when we've sensed God's presence in our midst, the Holy Spirit often wants to do a little bit extra in some people's lives. And maybe you're here today and you're one of those people you need a little extra prayer. Maybe you're under spiritual attack right now. Maybe you want to stand in the gap for someone. My wife's taken the burden of a little boy. His name is Eli. He's four. And he's just been harassed uh, in, in his physical body. And the doctors where he was just gave up hope on that little boy. But she just kept praying with her mom. And now God has opened another door into another step to help that child. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you want to stand with someone. You're going to be praying with someone that believes in the power of prayer. That believes that God hears prayers. And believes that demons tremble at the name of Jesus. So we'll be honored to pray with you during this last song. But most importantly, we'd like to pray for anyone here that would say, Pastor, I need a real relationship with God. I know God's real. I know God exists. For many of you that are here today, maybe you've been out in the world. Maybe you're living in it today. And you realize today is a spiritual turning point in your life. You realize that what the world offers is just not where it's at. You realize that something more is there, that God has a plan for your life. Well, friends, becoming a Christian is the starting place. Maybe for some of you, you, you committed your life to Christ before and you, you got away from God. Can I tell you, friend, Jesus, if I could use this illustration tonight, he's like a train pulling up at the train station. And that conductor saying, all aboard. If you want to ride the train, if you want me to take you out of where you are and to where you want me to be, then you need to get on board with Jesus. You need to come to him and ask for his forgiveness for your sins. You need to receive his forgiveness and commit your life and start following him. Because I tell you, friend, you'll never find the happiness you're looking for in the world. It'll just offer you more and more and more and more, and you'll get deeper and deeper, only to find that there's no happiness at the end of it. I'm telling you, friends, Jesus can give you a brand new start. If you're here today and you need God's forgiveness, if you want to commit your life to Christ and start following him today, we'd be honored to pray for you. If that's you and you'll say tonight, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. I want to do it right now. Would you just lift your hand, wave it at me real quickly? Come on, do it with all boldness right now. Just say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to get my life right with God. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Give her a big hand. We're very proud of you. Anybody else today? 
Say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. Yeah, I, I see your hand way in the back there. You waving to commit your life to the Lord? Give him a big hand there. God bless you, friend. God bless you. Anybody gotten off track with God? I want to come get back with God today. Listen, our prayer team is coming to the front right now. And if you want to commit your life to Christ, you that lifted your hand, come meet us at the cross. We'd be honored to pray for you today. Prayer team, come on up. We're going to sing one last song, and we'll be here to pray for you. Come, let us pray for you. Most importantly, making a step to Christ. We'll meet you at the cross. I love you, and thanks for being here tonight. tonight. Prayer team is going to remain around front. They'll pray with you about anything you have needed tonight. So just, if you don't need prayer, you're free to go. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week.